as we go into chapter 10 here, chapter 10 immediately precedes chapter 9. And what happened in chapter 9? Well, this, this man who had been blind from birth was healed by Jesus. And it created quite the division uh, within uh, the people that were around that area, the people that were listening, uh, in particular the Jewish uh, religious leaders. And, and so ultimately it, it um, accumulated to the point where uh, the blind man, because he refuses to denounce Jesus, he is excommunicated from the synagogue. And, and so we see uh, this, this moment where, where Jesus had come, met that man there in that space when he's all alone, he's been excommunicated. And what we really see here is the heart of a shepherd. Now, when we think of what he's going to talk about, because right now he's going to go into this whole section on being the good shepherd, we need to understand a little history here. Okay, throughout Scripture, throughout Israel's history in particular, shepherding uh, had been a part of everyday life. In fact, God describes his care of his people through the image of a shepherd and his sheep. Maybe the most popular uh, section on this is Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, 1 through 4, we'll just look at that really quick. David says these words, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we know in Psalm chapter 80, verse 1, God is called the shepherd of Israel. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, uh, God promises to bring his people back out of exile, out of Babylon, like a shepherd gathering his lambs in his arms, it says. And so when he's uh, speaking with this imagery, um, obviously the people could connect it to everyday life, but they also understood something as well. They understood that being called a sheep was not a very flattering thing. They, they knew that it wasn't a compliment, okay? Uh, sheep, uh, <laughs> they aren't known for their intelligence. Like when we think of the animal kingdom, we don't sit there and go, man, that's the intelligent animal, right? Uh, they were considered helpless. They were considered defenseless. They were uh, considered animals that just naturally would wander off. And so they would require constant oversight. They required constant leading. And they would continually need to be rescued. Sound familiar? Amen. <laughs> One of the ways that God cared for Israel his sheep, was by appointing human shepherds. So he designated these human shepherds. He called them who were, they were leaders who were supposed to serve as God's representative, uh, caring for his flock, all right? So these leaders uh, were supposed to be an extension of him. These under shepherds uh, that would shepherd his flock in a way that honored him, but, but in Scripture, we see that those who were given that, that influence, they were not leading the flock towards 
God, they were actually starting to lead the flock away from God. They weren't caring for his sheep. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 34, and I would actually encourage you, we don't have time today, but I would encourage you to read Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10. God condemned the religious leaders of Israel for their mistreatment of his sheep. And in fact, some of the highlights from that section is, is he says the shepherds have been feeding themselves. Now, not only had they been feeding themselves and neglecting the sheep, but they were feeding themselves, they were feeding on the sheep. So they're feeding on the sheep, they're not feeding the sheep, and they're taking their wool, right? Some of you have left a, a sales transaction and you said, I was fleeced. Well, that's what these religious leaders were doing to uh, God's sheep. Uh, it talks about how they didn't help any of the wounded or the hurt sheep. Uh, they, they, they allowed the ones uh, that were lost to remain lost. They didn't go after them. And so the sheep, God's people, were scattered all throughout the land, exposed to wild animals. And we see over and over the sheep being taken out and destroyed. But God says, I'm going to rescue my sheep. I'm going to rescue them. And later on in Ezekiel, in chapter 34, verses 22 through 24, he responds and he says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed uh, them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Now, at the time of this prophecy, David had been dead for a long time. So who uh, is he talking about? Who is this king that he's alluding to? It is a king that would come from the line of David. It is talking about the Messiah. The Messiah. He would be the good shepherd. And so all of this background helps us to understand Jesus's words here in chapter 10 as he goes into describing the good shepherd. In verses one through six of chapter 10, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So each village in the sheep herding regions of Palestine, it would have what's called a fold, right? A, a sheep fold. And, and, and the shepherds would take their flocks and they would, they would be in the surrounding countryside. Um, and, and then they would lead uh, their flocks back uh, to this communal sheep fold uh, in the evening so that they would be safe overnight. Right, So this, stru this structure, it had walls on it, and it had a door. It had a gate uh, to get 
uh, in. And so once uh, the sheep were in the fold, the care of the sheep went to the gatekeeper. So, so, so the shepherds would bring their sheep in, count them, check them, everything, and, and then the gatekeeper would watch them overnight. And what he's saying here is, um, as they go into this fold, only the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper would only allow the shepherds to go in through the door. Anybody else that got into that space, into that fold, was a thief because they had figured out a different way to get in. Now, what is he talking about here? Well, the sheepfold represents Israel. So the sheepfold is Israel, and the shepherd here, in this part of uh, the analogy, the shepherd is Jesus, who alone has the authority to lead his own sheep out of Israel's fold. And the thieves and the robbers, they represent the self-appointed Jewish religious leaders who are right there. Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice when he calls them out. So, so this imagery here pictures the response that humans have to the call of salvation. Jesus calls us to salvation. And, and I love how it says the shepherd calls each sheep by name. So Jesus knows each and every sheep personally. What does that say about him? Well, the good shepherd, he's a, he's a personal shepherd. He knows you. He knows your name. He's not this disconnected uh, shepherd. He knows you. He knows your name. He calls you by name. Uh, he knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses, right? He knows that some of you can't, can't make it on that trail to that pasture, but others of you can. He knows when you need to rest. He knows when you're thirsty. He knows all of those things about you. He knows everything. But he calls his sheep by name. Why? Because we know that in that sheepfold, there are sheep that are not his, right? There are sheep that are not going to respond to his voice. Why? Because they're sheep that want to stay in the fold. They're sheep that want to stay in the fold of religion when we think of the nation of Israel. They would rather stay there. So he only brings out his own. God, we've looked at this earlier, God gave, he gifted Jesus sheep. Right in John 6, 37, Jesus said, everyone the Father gives me will come to me, which is so awesome to think that if you're a Jesus follower in this room, you are a gift to the Son. After calling his sheep, Jesus then leads them out of the fold and they follow him. And we know uh, when we look at shepherding in, in that area that the shepherd went ahead of his flock. Okay? He went ahead of his flock, making sure that the trail was safe, uh, making sure uh, that the sheep were being led in the right place. He leads them to feed where in the green pastures that he's already scouted. He's already gone before them. 
And, and, and it's just like uh, in salvation where, where Jesus calls his sheep and he leads them out of this fold, taking them to God's truth, to his blessings, right? And, and, and we see that the reason the sheep follow the shepherd is why? Why do they follow him? Why do they respond? They know his voice. They know his voice. The sheep recognize the voice of their own shepherd and won't respond to another's. And that we actually see if you study sheep. They, they, you've probably never studied sheep. Maybe some of you have. But they learn and can identify quickly their shepherd's voice. And so they'll respond to him. They will not respond to somebody else posing as the shepherd. And so he says, my sheep are going to know my voice and they're going to respond to me. They're not going to follow this counterfeit, this this thief, this false shepherd. And we we read here that the religious leaders, they, they don't understand the illustration. Now, this, this happens a lot, where Jesus speaks, uses imagery, and the people are confused. And so he continues on in verses 7 through 10. It says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus changes uh, the metaphor here. He, he, he's not just the shepherd now. What is he also? He's the gate. Right? So he says, I'm the shepherd, but I'm also the gate. And so it's through him. It's through him that people can approach the Father and receive salvation. Uh, John 14, 6, Jesus says what? I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the gate. Acts 4, 12 uh, says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, so the calling is to come through Jesus. And what will he do? What, by nature, what does the gate do? If we go through him, he will guard you. He will protect you. That's so important. And, and, and this isn't just this like uh, first century warning here, right? As he's warning them and he's saying, I can protect you from these thieves, from these robbers. There are still thieves today attempting to sneak into the church. See, until Jesus returns, there will always be wolves disguised as sheep. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, he said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The very writer of this, John, in 1 John 4, 1, he says, beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we're to be on guard. We're, we're, we're to cling tightly to Jesus. And, and, and even times when we go, oh man, the spirit's moving. We need to test the spirit to confirm that it's of God. Because man, people have become so great at manipulating 
the feel of the Spirit. Guys, this is one of the reasons God has given the church pastors. Part of the role of the pastor is to protect the flock from wolves. In, in, in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 and 29, Paul speaks to the elders of Ephesus and he tells them, pay, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. You guys, here's what's so scary about this. When we think of uh, the manipulation, the deception, when we think of them trying to sneak into the fold, this very imagery that Jesus is using of these thieves creeping in, sneaking in to the fold to snatch, to kill, and destroy the sheep. Uh, the thing that is so dangerous about this is that the conclusion that I see here is the greatest danger to your spiritual health will most likely come from someone claiming to be a Christian. And that's tough. And oftentimes, you see, a lot of times our alarms are up to like theology and things like to where, and they should be, but, but we're, we're, we're very like, oh, they said that, got them. Or, or man, this, this teacher, this self-proclaimed prophet or pastor, I hear what they're saying. They're saying that. And, and, and sometimes, it, honestly, it's easy to go, yeah, that's not of God. What's really difficult here and what we need to understand and see that is that oftentimes that's not what the enemy uses to distract us, to steal us. He actually uses uh, people who you may agree with on a lot of points, and all they do is distract you just a little bit from the gospel. That's all he needs to do. And so a lot of times we need to evaluate who we're allowing to influence us because a lot of times even people that say, oh, I'm a Jesus follower, oh, I'm a Christian, uh, when you start to evaluate, man, our conversations are hardly ever about Jesus and I actually find that I'm with them, it's a distraction from him. Guys, that's how subtle, that's how easy it is for the enemy to distract us from who the center is, from who our shepherd is, from who the gate is, and that's Jesus. Entering through Jesus not only, though, protects us from danger, but it also protects us from hunger. Guys, Jesus doesn't just save us from sin. Now, that's amazing. Amen. Like, none of us should just be like, oh, that's cool. I got saved from sin. He saves us from sin. That's not all he does. See, what good would it do if he protected uh, us from the dangers outside the fold if he locked you in the fold and you just starved? Right? What good would that do? Okay, I'm the gate. Nobody's getting in. Good luck. It's going to be the last person standing in here. Right? He, does, he doesn't do that to us, right? His calling on your life is not to a bunker mentality. Okay? Um, I had a neighbor uh, in Washington, and he had a full-on shelter, bunker, like he was prepared. End of the world happens, he's the guy you want to know. Like, that's where you go. In fact, if something happened, I would just drive to Washington right now. 
because he has, I mean, it's built up. And, and I remember seeing it and just going, man, like this thing is impenetrable. This is like, he's got all this food stocked up. But I said, you know what, man? At some point in time, that food's going to run out. And I go, what are you going to do? Now shoot my wood. No, uh, he, was, he was like, I don't know, right? At some point in time, you run out. See, see, a lot of us, man, we want to stay in the fold. In fact, the nation of Israel, they just want to stay in the fold. They, want, they wanted to be, uh, we're, no, we're the sheep, we're the chosen uh, nation, we're God's people, and we're going to live in this comfortable bubble of religion. It's so good, I feel good about it, I'm comfortable, but the problem is, they're literally starving in that. And so you need to understand that he didn't just save you from sin, but he's called you out of that mentality, out of the like hunker down and survive mode. No, he talks about what? Leading us out of that. He wants us to have life and have it what? Abundantly. That's a good word. He wants us to have life abundantly. Guys, the Christian life isn't simply being saved from something. It's we're also saved to something. We're not just protected from the destruction of sin. We're given the joy of walking with Jesus. Because when we walk with him, we experience his love daily, his forgiveness daily, that salvation, that peace that we can continue to move forward in. And we'll find what? Just as he said in Psalm 23, that satisfying pasture that he has for us. That's what he wants to lead us to. And that is the polar opposite as we look at these false shepherds who come what? To steal and kill and destroy the sheep. Jesus came that they'd have spiritual and eternal life and have it abundantly. He called us out of that emptiness, out of that mediocrity. He says, come feast at my table, rejoice in my presence. As we look at verses 11 through 18, it says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. It says, I am the good shepherd. Listen. If there's any confusion at this point, I am the good shepherd. And what defines a good shepherd? The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He, he, he uses it uh, to contrast a who? A hired hand. He says, listen, a hired hand sees the wolf coming and does what? I'm out of here. They run away. They leave the sheep. Now, who are the hired hands here? Well, they're symbolizing the Jewish religious leaders. 
or these false shepherds. That's who the hired hands are. See, Jesus points to their relationship with the sheep, and he says, you're simply hired hands. See, to them, tending sheep was a job. It was a way to make uh, extra cash, right? It, it brought influence. I have influence over these people. I like this position. And, and what the reality is, if tending the sheep is your job, what happens when the predator attacks and they attack the, f- the flock? What are you going to do? You run. Why? Why do they run? It says, because those sheep aren't yours. Those sheep aren't yours, and no job and no sheep is worth losing your life over. A hired hand loves his life more than he loves the sheep. Now, when we think of this analogy here, I'm reminded of this uh, meeting I was in with a bunch of pastors, and we're all meeting, we're trying to encourage each other, and I mean, it was around 2008. 2008 was a rough year. I mean, 2020 was solid, but 2008 was rough uh, as well. And I remember I'm in this room, and one of the pastors gets up, and and he just and he starts he starts sharing what he's been wrestling with, and and he was just bringing us into what his struggle was, and and we were all kind of struggling. We we're all kind of like, man, discouraged, walking through a lot of different things, and questioning a lot. And he said, you know, the thing that I've been wrestling through with God is this question. Am I a hired hand or am I a shepherd? And we all just went, am I a hired hand or am I a shepherd? And so, and so I remember sitting there and you know, the initial response, right, is, of course, I'm a shepherd, you know, but then you start to think about it. And, and, and you just start to, you start to look at the characteristics of a shepherd, and you look at the characteristics of a hired hand, and, and, and you go, man, like, like, so, God, this is tough to, to see this in, in me, because, I mean, he, he says in 1 Peter 5, 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for, it says, shameful gain, but eagerly. And a lot of times, what confirms whether I am called to be the shepherd or if I'm a hired hand is how am I going to react and respond when there is attack on the sheep? When my life may be in danger, when my comfortability may be in danger, how do I respond? How do I react in that? And even in that moment, as I was processing it, I was thinking about all the challenges and going, man, is it worth it? And I had to come back to that question. Am I a hired hand or am I a shepherd? Guys, this last year, I have asked that question. I can't even tell you how many times. He's like, Steve, if you're a hired hand, get out. Go. It's tough. It's hard. The enemy's coming. It's still gonna, it's gonna affect you personally. It's gonna affect your family. It's gonna affect, it's gonna, it's gonna impact the sheep. The sheep are gonna get attacked and all that. And, and, and what are you gonna do? And the easiest response would be what? Man, let's be a hired hand. They're your sheep. Right? And I don't know about you, but there's times when God has made his will very clear and you don't like it. And what do you try and do? But you negotiate, right? Hey, God, 
Let's meet halfway. What's in between a shepherd and a hired hand? Because I'll go there. Let's do that one. It's like, no, that's not a thing. Jesus isn't a hired hand. These sheep are his and he loves them. In fact, the word know here is used to denote a love relationship. We see it all throughout the Old and the New Testament. Uh, and, 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 and it speaks to the deepest level of intimacy in a love relationship. And so we see that Jesus in loves in love knows his own, who his sheep are, and he knows his father, right? And, and, and those that, know, that, that he knows, they know him, and he knows his father in that love relationship. And so we know him. We know the father as well if we are his sheep. And we're caught in this incredible, deep intimacy, this, this deep affection that's shared between God the Father and God the Son, and he loves us so much, he's brought us into that. And to the point where five times in four verses, Jesus promises to lay down his life for the sheep. Just in case you didn't hear it, he's going to say it again. Just in case you missed that one, he's going to say it again. He's going to say it again. I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. Jesus gave his life to protect his sheep. He got in the way. No one was going to touch his sheep. And so he, he decided, I'm going to protect my sheep. They're under attack. I'm going to protect them from sin, from judgment, from, from death. And so what did he do? He died in our place. And by his death, we are saved. And, and it speaks to, to what he did and, and, and our condition in Isaiah 53, 6. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But we see some other sheep here that he talks about, some other sheep that aren't in the fold. Who, man, who are those sheep? Well, he's speaking about Gentiles, speaking about the Gentiles who aren't in Israel's fold. He says they too will hear his voice calling them to salvation. They will become one flock with one shepherd. We see in Isaiah 49, 6, it called this out. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. And then in Romans 1:16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Guys, as he's saying this, this is a revolutionary concept, okay? We've already talked about this. Jews, Gentiles <coughs> did not like each other. <coughs> in fact, they were like in opposition. It wasn't just like, I don't like you. It was like, let's go. They didn't like each other. And so just the fact that he's saying this is huge. And what we see, even in the early church, um, in the book of Acts, we see um, that, that these Jewish believers were so programmed to prejudice against the Gentiles that they struggled treating them as equal members of the body of Christ. And, and, and the only thing that could bring that true unity was, was what? The understanding that, hey, we're all sheep under the same shepherd. 
We've got one shepherd. And we see ultimately that love and obedience defines the relationship of Jesus and the Father. The Father loves the Son because he laid his life down for the sheep. And I love how it, how it says he laid it down. You guys, um, no one took his life away from him. Okay? They didn't catch Jesus. They, they, they didn't go, oh, we got you. No. He willingly laid his life down. He willingly did that. For you and for me. In fact, in John 19, 11, Jesus told Pilate, who's overseeing the execution, he says, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. So he, he says, I take my life, I lay it down, and by the authority of the Father, I will raise it up again. He arose, which means what for us? We're not shepherdless. He's still our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And he continues to lead his sheep. At the end here in verses 19 through 21, it says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So we see once again the division that occurs in response to what Jesus has said and ultimately what he's done. It still goes back to him healing the blind man and they say, listen, his words, his power, that is coming from demons. Don't listen to him. But then we see some go, no, there is no way that this man is saying this and there's no way that he could heal this blind man from power coming from the demons. That doesn't make sense. And so they align with the man that had been blind and they acknowledge that Jesus is from God. But you guys, here's, here's what's exciting. If Jesus is the good shepherd, then your job is simple. What is it? Follow him. Follow him. If Jesus is the good shepherd, your job is simple. My job is simple. Follow him. Right? This is not like your, your image should not be driving down the five freeway and seeing a bunch of sheep fenced in. That's not what. That's not what the image is, okay? That's totally different. No, this is the good shepherd leading the flock out, going before the flock, already preparing the way, already knowing where you need to be and where you shouldn't be. And so it's simple. He's the good shepherd. Just follow him. And guess what? He's not going to be silent and say, keep up. He's going to speak to you. He's going to call you by name. He knows you. And, and, and you may struggle and go, well, man, I'm, I'm just a sheep with some injuries. I can't keep up. He knows that. He knows your flaws. He knows your struggles. He knows your biases. And yet he's called you out into salvation and says, you just follow me. Follow my lead. Guys, we need to hear that message because every other message says, you go, you can do this. You're, you're totally equipped. And, and, and he... He'll, he should just follow you, right? No, you don't want that. You don't know where the green pastures are that you're supposed to be in. You don't know where the cliffs are that you're not supposed to walk off. You don't know any of those 
things, right? And that's when we get into the territory where we become deceived. You guys, don't look elsewhere. Don't wander away. Let him lead you. Recognize that in him, we have everything we could ever need. Guys, what did the, what did the psalmist say? When we're tired, he brings us what? Rest in green pastures. When we're thirsty, what does he do? Hey, you're gonna have to starve this one out. Good luck. No, he brings us to the refreshing spring. He knows when you're thirsty. When we're uncertain, right? Which a lot of us, we've gone through a season of just uncertainty. What does he do? He leads us in paths of righteousness. And when we're afraid, what does he do? He comforts us with his presence. He's there with you. Look at the rest of Psalm 23 in verses five and six. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an awesome calling we have. If he is calling your name right now, and, and you've literally imagined in your mind, it's a calling to, uh, to essentially oh, the, the desert. It's, it's, it's a calling that, that, uh, that, all, that means all of these horrible things in my life. Man, you're missing out on the whole analogy of the good shepherd and the sheep. Okay, because, uh, man, when I read this, man, I I am just one. I'm reminded that, man, I'm a sheep. In fact, I I totally relate to the hymn prone when it says prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Man, I when I read those lines, when I sing that hymn, I'm like, yep, I am prone to wonder. I get distracted easily. I, 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 I replace God very quickly with an idol, with, with, with something that I think is going to give what only he promises to give. And ultimately, it just leads me to wandering away from him when all he asks is that I would follow him. You guys, if the good shepherd right now is calling your name, one, I know you're going to be able to understand his voice. I know. And if he's calling your name right now, respond. Respond. If you've wandered off, right? Maybe, maybe some of you, 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 you man, you're like, man, this grass looks good. And, and, or, or man, I, I, I see where you want me to go, God, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this shortcut that I believe will get me to where you're trying to take me quicker, or I'll do this. And maybe right now he's, 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 Calling you, he's calling you out, and what I want you to know is this. He is not coming to you where you've wandered with a bat saying, I'm going to beat you back into submission. What we actually see is the good shepherd comes, and he picks up his sheep, and he carries his sheep back. Now, I think I deserve the beating for wandering off from what I know. But he meets me there just as he met that guy that had been blind and he's excommunicated, he's all alone. And for for those of you that 
that, that you've wandered off and you're all alone in this field. You're drying up. There's nothing, nothing's working out for you. And he's calling your name. He's saying, hey, whatever your name is, and, and you're sitting over there, man, you know what? Like, just respond. Maybe you're like, I don't even have the strength to go back. Guess what? He meets you there. He's the good shepherd. He picks you up with all your wounds and he takes you back into the fold and he protects you and guides you and he loves you. Guys, some of you need to respond to that. And maybe others of you right now, he's just saying, you're mine. I love you. I am the good shepherd. I am calling you out of that bondage. I'm calling you out of that religiosity. I'm calling you out of the idolatry that's run your life where you're gonna go after thing after thing after thing. And he's saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the gate. I am the way. It is through me that you experience eternal salvation, eternal life, the peace that surpasses understanding. It's through me. If you'll just choose to follow me, that your life will be transformed forever. And maybe he's inviting you to that. My challenge for you is just respond to him. Amen. Let's pray. God.